is Avi Strasberg for Hadar on Parshat Lechlecha, to be more like God. When we first moved to Washington, D.C., we discovered a neighborhood playground down the block from where we lived. Whenever my kids express a particular love of a new place, I make it a point to teach them the name of the place so that they can articulate what they like and are empowered to ask to return. However, this particular playground lacked a name. We asked our then three-year-old, what should we call this playground? He said, Alex. The name stuck. Not only does our now four-year-old continue to lovingly advocate that we visit Alex on a daily basis, our one-year-old has also taken to calling the playground Alex. By giving the playground a name, my son was able to personalize his experience of the playground and create the possibility of a long-term relationship. In this week's parasha, a key act of naming, or rather, renaming, occurs. God renames Avram, Abraham, and renames Sarai, Sarah. God says to Avraham, Ani hinevriti itach, vehayita le'av hamon goyim, velo yikare od et shimcha Avram, vayashimcha Avraham, ki av hamon goyim netaticha. Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Avram, but your name shall be Avraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. When Abraham enters into covenant with God, his destiny is transformed. He is no longer just Avram, a seeker out on his own. Rather, his fate is now linked to the entire Jewish people. He will be a father of many nations, in Hebrew, in Av Hamon, and thus this new identity requires a new name. Abraham's name change always causes me to stumble. When referring to the stories about Abraham when he was still Avram, I wonder, should I refer to him as Avram? Or is it more appropriate to use his new name, even when recalling history that occurred under his old name? I struggle with the tension between wanting to honor his new name and the person that he becomes, while wondering if it's more accurate to refer to him as Avram when speaking of events that occurred pre-name change. If we look to the Tanakh for the answer, from here on out, the Torah consistently refers to Abraham according to his new name. This seems to suggest that once a person undergoes a name change, we must honor that change and refer to them only in their new identity. However, in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah refers to Abraham by his old name, Avram. We read, Ata hu Hashem Halukim, Asher Becharta Beavram, Behotseto me or Kastim, Besamta Shemo Avraham. You are the Lord God who chose Avram and took him out of Or Kastim and made his name Avraham. Who did God choose according to Nehemiah? God chose Avram. And referring to Abraham this way, Nehemiah drags up Abraham's old name and old identity. 
Like me, it seems Nehemiah also struggles with how to refer to Abraham when speaking of past events. While the specific question of which name to use when speaking of past events may be unclear, what is made powerfully evident is the importance of using the new name in all other situations. In Masechet Brachot, we read, Tane bar kapara, kol hakore l'Avraham avram over ba'aseh. Shene'emar, v'ya shimcha avraham. Rabbi Eliezer omer, over belav. Bar Kapara taught, anyone who calls Avraham Avram transgresses a positive mitzvah, as it is stated, and your name will be Avraham. Rabbi Eliezer says, one who calls Avraham Avram transgresses a negative mitzvah, as it is stated, and your name shall no longer be called Avram. It is not only advisable that we call Abraham by his new name, it is, in fact, on the level of a commandment. Bar Kapara focuses on the positive aspect of, your name shall be Abraham, to emphasize that we are positively commanded to use Abraham's new name. Rabbi Eliezer either disagrees with Bar Kapara that failing to call Abraham, Abraham would be a transgression of a positive commandment, or perhaps agrees with Bar Kapara and takes it a step further. Rather than focus on the positive commandment to call Abraham by his new name, he emphasizes the potential transgression of a negative commandment, as implied by, and your name shall no longer be called Avram. Regardless of whether one classifies calling Abraham by his former name as a violation of a positive commandment or a negative commandment, the Gemara makes it clear that once a person undergoes a name change, we have a very strong obligation to refer to them by their new name. The question of how we respond to a name change is a live issue for me. I have been on both sides of a name change. I have been the one asking loved ones to call me by a new name. and I've also been the one struggling to call someone in my life by their new chosen name. People may change their names for a variety of reasons. Some people do so because their name feels out of alignment with their identity. Others may change their names through marriage or add a name when confronting illness. Whatever person's reasons for taking on a new name, surely they hope and perhaps even expect that people will honor their choice of a new name. Yet how people respond to a name change is equally variable. Some disregard a person's decision to change their name altogether, refusing to attempt the new name. Others may in theory respect and even honor the new identity marker, but may struggle to call someone so familiar and intimate by such an unfamiliar name. There can be discomfort in using this new name, even when you know that this is what someone wants. And some people may even be able to make the switch to the new name when referring to present and future events, but stumble, as I do, when referring to events that happened under the former name. In Abraham's case, God changes Abraham's name, and it's a given that if God tells us to call him by this new name, we better be sure to respect that name switch. God's authority commands respect and perhaps compliance for this new name. However, when it comes to names that someone takes on for themselves, 
To what extent are we obligated to call someone by that newly chosen name, taking on their personal decision as a positive or negative commandment for ourselves? While Jewish tradition is rich with name changing, there are very few examples of individuals changing their own names. All the examples that are familiar from the Torah involve an outside party, often God, changing someone else's name. The exception to this general rule, however, is God. God seems to be the only one that is able to change God's own name with any sort of staying power. Early on in God's relationship with Abraham, God introduces God's self, saying, "I am El Shaddai." And later, when Moses asks God how he should refer to God, when convincing the people of his holy mission, God says, "Ehiyeh Asher Ehiyeh," I will be what I will be. Traditional commentators are quick to dig into the various aspects of God's identities represented by each of God's divine names, although Ehiyeh Asher Ehiyeh. Is particularly resonant for this conversation. When asked for God's name, it's as if God refuses to be defined by any one name. Instead, God insists on the ability to continue to reinvent God's self, to be a God called by many names with many identities that cannot be defined by just one. I will be what I will be. I will keep defining and redefining myself. I cannot be limited. By one name. It's only later Jewish texts that the idea of changing one's own name comes into play. In the Gemara Arusha Shana, we learn, "The Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Arba'advarim mikarin gizardino shaladam, eluhen ta'aka shinui Hashem ve'shinui ma'ase, shinui Hashem dichtiv." Sarai istecha lo tikra et shema Sarai ki Sara shema uchtiv uverachti ota vegam nitati mimena lecha ben. And Rabbi Yitzchak said, a person's sentence is torn up on account of four types of actions. These are giving charity, crying out in prayer, a change of one's name, and a change of one's deeds. A change of one's name, as it is written, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And it is written there, and I will bless her, and I will also give you a son from her. Based on this Gemara, changing one's name is one of four actions a person can take to change their decree in life. How do we know this? From Sarah, God changes her name. And with the name change comes blessing. As Sarai, she was destined to be a person without children. It's the act of God changing Sarah's name that changes her course in life. This is connected to that which we learn in the Rambam that changing one's name is a pathway to tshuva or atonement. When I change my name, it's as if I am a new person. I rip up that decree pending against the person who I once was. Change the name, change your destiny. While the Torah only lays out a name change that comes through others, these texts lay out the possibility for one to define one's own identity. It gives the individual the ability to say, "I am not the person I was. This is how I will now be called in the world." 
How must we as a community respond when a person redefines their identity through a change of name? I want to suggest two texts as possible answers to this question. We learn in the Mishnah of Baba Metziah. Shem bemikach umimkar, kach bidvarim. Lo yomarlo bekama vehu eno roteli kach. Im al tuva, lo yomarlo zechor maasecha harishonim. Im huven gerim, lo yomarlo zechor maaseavotecha. Just as the laws of fraud apply to buying and selling, so too do they apply to the spoken word. One may not say how much is this object if he does not wish to buy it. If one had repented, another should not say to him, remember your earlier deeds. If one descended from converts, another should not say to him, Remember the deeds of your ancestors, for it is said, and a stranger you shall not wrong or oppress. The Mishnah is teaching us that just as we have the ability to oppress and wrong one another through dishonest business practices, we also have the ability to wrong one another with our words. How do we do this? If there's a person who is a Baal Tshuva, who has done something wrong in their past but has since atoned, we cannot remind them of their former deeds. So too, when someone converts to Judaism, we cannot remind them of their prior history. When a person makes an active decision to shift their identity, we have an obligation to only see this person in their new identity. They define how they are seen in this world. When we remind the person of a former identity that they have left behind, we violate the laws of ona'ah, or oppression and wrong them with our words. The same principle applies to a name change. When someone changes their name, they mark an active shift in their identity. In effect, they are saying, this is the person that I am in the world now, and this is how I want to be seen. If we fail to call them by this new name, we wrong them with our words. The laws around name changes as they relate to gitin, or divorce documents, confirm this obligation. We learn in the Shulchan Aruch, Mi shenishtane shemo mechamat choli, afopis shekorin oto tamid b'shem rishon, mikomakom shem hashinui ikar. Someone whose name was changed due to illness, even though people always address him with his original name, despite this, the changed name is the primary name. There are two items of note that we can learn from the Shulchan Aruch. First, we see that even when someone changes their name because of illness, people around them may still refer to them using their original name. It's unclear from this text whether this is because the person herself prefers the original name or other people struggle to integrate the new name into their worldview of their friend or loved one. Second, at the end of the day, the new name is the primary name when it comes to writing a get. And this new name is the name that should be used. So while people may fail to actually call someone by this new name, we recognize the ability of a person to change their name and the legal power of this shift. Names are not inconsequential. Rather, they have the ability to define us and to help us define ourselves. 
Rabbi Nachman of Breslov teaches, Ki ha-Torahi shmo shal kadosh baruchu, ve-Hashem hu ha-kli shal ha-davar, she-ve-Hashem ha-zeh nigbalachiyut shal ha-davar zeh, kemo she-katuv nefesh chaya hu shemo, she-ve-Hashem nigbal ha-nefesh ve-achiyut shal kol davar, ve-alken kshekorin et ha-adam bishmo, hu mezuman tekef etzlo, mechamat she-be-Hashem this is because the Torah is the name of God, and the name of a thing is its vessel. Within this name is contained the life force of that thing. As it is written, living soul that is its name. Contained in the name of each thing is its soul and life force. This is why when we call a person by his name, we gain his attention immediately because his total soul and life force are contained within his name. In Genesis, Adam names each of the living creatures, and whatever name he calls them, this is their name. Rabbi Nachman plays with the language for living creature, nefesh chaya, and reads this rather as referring to a person's life force. What is a person's nefesh chaya? It is their name. Rabbi Nachman writes that a name is not an arbitrary thing to which we are assigned at birth. Rather, our name has the power to define us. It is the source of our very vitality. When we honor a person's choice of a new name, we allow them the power to define themselves. When we fail to respect this choice, it's as if we deny them their very life source. There's an enormous power in using language to name something to create the vessel by which to define it. That's the power of God naming Adam, and Adam in turn naming the living creatures in the Garden of Eden. Both of these acts are instances of creation, of calling a world into being. That's the joy of my son naming his playground Alex, and in doing so, creating for himself a world of intimacy and relationship. But it's all the more powerful when we have the ability to name not only others, as we see in the Torah, but to name ourselves. When we allow ourselves and others to reshape the very vessels, their names that hold their identities. I wish for us all that we can be a little bit more like God and take on this aspect of Ehiyeh Asher Ehiyeh as we define and redefine who we are in the world. I wish for us that we are able to be at home in our names and that they give us strength to be who we need to be in the world. And if these names feel out of alignment with our identities, that we are blessed to be in communities of people who will help us transition into new names as we live out the fullness of our identities. Thank you for listening to our weekly Debre Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.